Welcome to episode 19 of the Never Ending Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly, and, and I'm here with Jerry, and I'm, I'm hoping I can get through this 45-minute long podcast. Uh, we're, we're not going to go a marathon this time just because uh, we are recovering from our annual draft that was held this past weekend on Saturday night, and uh, sadly, it's, it's Tuesday, and we are, I still feel like crap. Um, so this has now turned into a dreaded three-day hangover. And um, so we're going to do our best to, to fight through. Uh, you know, like like our, the great RG3 says, no pressure, no diamonds. So uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure we get blistering hot sports takes for you. But, uh, Jer, I'm curious to see how you're feeling after the weekend of shenanigans. 30s means you can't go, you know, 19, 20, maybe even a whole case deep during a draft anymore. You can't do that anymore and expect to have a productive Monday workday. Um I'm but okay. We tried. we tried. Yeah, I'm okay now, but it was it was not good Sunday. Uh, there was some Gatorade chugging. There was some uh, bathroom running. Uh, it was not good. <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, I I didn't have the luxury of uh, being in a an apartment or a house. <laughs> no. I, I had a nice ten hour drive ahead of me, um, and, and didn't get home until ten o'clock that night. So um, just a man, on the road, his thoughts, and his own farts. Right. <laughs> Monday Monday was pretty brutal. Um, I, I didn't even bother to shave. I, I worked for my father. I rolled in uh, and just the, the look of disappointment was just all he needed to do to me. And I realized how, how messed up I was. Um, but anyways, I fought through. I was somewhat uh, productive throughout the day Monday. And, and right around 10 o'clock this, this morning, I kind of got out of the funk and I felt a little bit better. Uh, but then I tried to work out and that just went to hell real quick. So um, I'm struggling right now, but I'm hoping Wednesday will be a new day. Um, but in the meantime, you know, let's let's kick this podcast off. Find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Facebook Never Ending Glory Podcast. We, we had a few shout outs this weekend. Um, thanks to that beautiful... Uh, Design that you put together. And yeah, shirts look t-shirts. great. T-shirts, Toltec t-shirts. Shout out to Mike Sollenberger, Pro Former, for hooking us up with those. Um, you know, if you want a Never Ending Glory podcast t-shirt, you can check out uh, the design on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, should be the hottest thing going in the streets. So if you want one of those, hit us up at negpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, find us, subscribe to us, uh, rate us on iTunes. Let's let's get all the way up that uh, that list of top podcasts that go over football and fantasy football. And, of course, all uh, future and current and future episodes will be released on DynastyFootballWarehouse.com, your one-stop shop for all things Dynasty and Redraft Fantasy Football. So let's get into the podcast, Jer. Uh, football's back, baby. Not only did we have our draft, but we finally got to see some, granted it was preseason football, but we finally got to see the Browns and the Patriots play along with the rest of the teams in the NFL. And uh, real quickly, I want to talk about a few players that really uh, stuck out to me in week one of the preseason and could potentially become uh, you know, figureheads on your fantasy teams. First, first player I want to talk about, actually two players here, uh, the Tennessee running backs, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. I'm not sure if you watched this game at all. I watched the highlights, but I'll tell you what. I'm not sure if it was so much DeMarco Murray and his six carries for 93 yards and a touchdown, along with uh, Derrick Henry went 10 for 74 and a touch, that were just absolutely dominant and, and that they're just going to have a dominant one-two punch all year, all year, or the San Diego defense just absolutely sucks. 
because uh, Tennessee rushed for 288 yards against San Diego. So, Jer, AFC West running backs might have uh, a lot of fun against the Chargers this year. Yeah, you might see a lot of Jamal Charles and Charkandrick West numbers going up when they play the Chargers. You know, we talked about the Tennessee Titans upgrading their offensive line and then adding uh, Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. They're getting bigger and they want to run the ball, but... I'm not sold on them yet as being the uh, the elite rushing team in the NFL, but San Diego's got to get something done. I guess Manti Teo isn't getting it done over there in uh, San Diego when it comes to stopping the run. And Joey Bosa still didn't even signed no, or, or had a nothing. contract conversations with the Chargers. So that defense is going to be an absolute sieve all year. It's going to be a, a total long-term version of the Eli Manning situation. They just don't want him to go play in San Diego, I guess. He's a Florida boy. I don't know what they want out of it. Do they want him to go to Miami? What's, it seems like it's a family issue more than it is like a money thing. Right. When I heard that the, the, the big issue right now is, and, and Mark and I argued this, uh, shocking, we argued on Saturday night about this, or maybe it's Friday night, um, the, the big issue right now is Joey Bosa wants all of his guaranteed money now, San Diego wants to break it up over two to three years, and that's really the sticking point. No matter what, he's going to get the money, um, but... It, obviously, they do, they're having a lot of trouble coming to terms on that agreement. Um, but you mentioned uh, the offensive line, and actually, pretty interesting gr- major move that happened today. Uh, Doriel Green Beckham traded to the Eagles, uh, who was a you know a former second round pick for the Titans, and was traded for backup lineman Dennis Kelly. So, you know, backup lineman for a guy who was heralded as the next Randy Moss. Does this does this tell us that there was something going on behind the scenes with Doriel Green Beckham and the Titans? It sure sounds like it. Um, you know, he had some character issue things coming into the league and when he got drafted, but you know, he was kind of climbing up some draft boards this year, almost as the uh, in, the wide receiver two for them, uh, but definitely a wide receiver three for the, the Titans. I don't know for sure. I haven't read anything specifically, but if you're going to go based off of those uh, draft reports, I'm sure there's something to do with it. You don't just go back and get Dennis Kelly as your backup lineman. Right. Um, there's a, there's tons of guys that could play NFL backup lineman, swing tackle or swing guard. So unless this guy can really do something special that nobody else can, uh, I think there's more to this than what we know. Yeah, DGB, uh, Green Beckham, was – from all reports that I heard, he really struggled in camp. Um, the the Tennessee brass really wasn't liking his his. Uh, I think came into camp out of condition. They weren't liking his effort on the field, so they decided just to cut ties with him. Maybe they told him when they drafted him, "Listen, you're on a very short leash." Um, and while we haven't heard of any character issues or or any sort of like domestic violence or anything like that or or smoking weed. Um, Obviously, something went on there, and it's it's too bad. I will say this from a fantasy perspective. I think that his upside was limited in Tennessee because they mm-hmm. do want to ground and pound. I mean, he's not going to the high-flying offense in Philadelphia by any means. He's going to be a very conservative offense with Doug Peterson. But I think he's got a real chance to, to um, fight for a starting job on the outside next to Jordan Matthews. Uh, everything I'm reading is saying Jordan Matthews will be lining up in the slot for the most part. Uh, Ruben Randall signed a one-year, like $1 million contract and pretty much looked disinterested in their preseason game. Nelson Aguilar might be a bust. So very thin receiving core in Philadelphia. It seems like this could be a pretty good move for the Eagles. They gave up not a lot, and it was a low-risk, potentially high-reward move for them. Yeah, so they're getting a starter. Right. So I like the move. I like the move a lot for um, for Philly as long as DGB's head is on straight, and only time will tell on that one. Mm-hmm. Um 
Speaking of other outside receivers, uh, this guy's a rookie, and he played against my Patriots, and he looked great. Uh, Michael Thomas, Ohio State boy, had four for 67 against the Patriots, made a couple highlight grabs. Uh, he's quickly jumping up my draft board, um, not necessarily for redraft, but definitely for dynasty. I had him as like a seventh or eighth pick in your rookie draft, but you could maybe bump him up to maybe a fifth overall rookie pick, uh, especially with Josh Doxson's injuries or the Achilles concern. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of his catches that he made I against did. the Pats? Uh, I did. He he definitely is running that pro route tree um, at, a, at a much higher advancement than people thought maybe out of college. He's, he was kind of thought to be a mid-rounder um, coming out of Ohio State, but he didn't look the part. And, and granted, he's going to be getting some really nice passes from Drew Brees. That helps as a rookie. But he can stretch the field vertically. He can run the route tree that you need to as a professional wide receiver. He did look good. I think uh, he did maybe mo- make a move up the draft board, especially in a, a uh, dynasty situation like you mentioned. I think uh, he'd be a great pickup. Yeah, and not only is he moving up the board because of his play, but oddly enough, I don't know if you saw this, but Pro Football Talk reported that un- inexplic- inexplicably uh, Kobe Fleener, so their big free agent tight end, got dropped down to the, the fourth tight end in the depth chart for like 30 minutes. And then uh, you know later on, he was back up to number one on the tight end depth chart. Um, that could just be Twitter overreacting, but uh, maybe there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There could be something else going on there. Maybe Fleener isn't fitting into the system as much as expected. Um, so you're looking at Michael Thomas, who could potentially overtake Fleener for targets, and you're looking at Michael Thomas being possibly the second or third option behind uh, Brandon Cooks and maybe Willie Sneed in the high-octane high offense of the New Orleans Saints. So Michael Thomas looking great. Um, another rookie receiver in that game who looked fantastic that I'm very excited about is Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, had a couple nice grabs. Unfortunately, he did go down with a pretty nasty elbow injury. It looked like his elbow went the complete opposite way, popped out of the socket. You thought it was a season-ending injury. Initial um, reaction was it was going to be or, – or after he, he – took his uh, x-rays and one on MRIs, looked like a four-week injury, but he was back on the practice field on Monday. So miraculous recovery for Malcolm Mitchell. Hopefully he can stay healthy uh, because the Patriots need one of those impact players on the outside uh, to play wide receiver. Um, And also another player that really stuck out in that game, and I didn't watch a ton of the Patriots game, um, but I did see some of the highlights, is Tyler Gaffney, who Belichick loves Picked him up off of the uh, Panthers practice squad, I believe, and rushed for nine nine rushes for 64 yards and a touchdown. And when we had Mark on a few weeks ago, this is the player that he mentioned that he liked at the running back position for mm-hmm. the Patriots. LeGarrette Blunt really is just another guy who's going to get you two yards and fall down. Uh, Deion Lewis, again, we're not sure what's going to go on with him. Is he going to start off on the pup? Uh, James White had one catch for 53 yards, got tackled at at the end zone, or right on the goal line. Um, so there's not a ton in front of Tyler Gaffney. So if he can impress again in week two of the preseason and potentially week three in an extended look, maybe if he gets about 15 touches, that's a great player you can target late in your drafts and definitely pick up off the waiver wire in your dynasty drafts. Yeah, Gaffney kind of fits the role of the um, the receiving running back, but not so much to the extreme of like a Deion Lewis was last year before the right. injury. Kind of more the Shane Vereen in between guy. Um, they still have James White, and James White, I think, is much more leaning towards the receiver than he is the running back. So hopefully mm-hmm. he can play 
a little bit more in between the tackles for the Patriots this year. That would be a great pickup. I'm going to blow your mind with this hot sports take. I'm going to say Tyler Gaffney. Okay, and I'm not saying he's this player by any means, but I'm saying he's going to have a very he could potentially have a very similar role of rushing for four and a half yards a carry uh, and maybe catch three to four balls a game because he has that skill set. But that's a skill set that Arian Foster had in Houston. Now, listen, I'm not calling Tyler Gaffney Arian Foster by any means, like not not when Foster was in his prime, but. He could be that player, especially in the Patriots offense, if Belichick doesn't trust James White, if Deion Lewis is just can't be healthy for the first six weeks of the season, you could potentially see Tyler Gaffney be a three-down back for the Patriots. I'm going to politely disagree with you on, on the comparison. <laughs> that's The scheme's completely different, and that's why I'm going to do that. Ar- right. Arian Foster fit the scheme because he played in the same sort of um, outside zone scheme that, that the uh, Texans were running when he came in as a rookie, when he was at t- Tennessee. Uh, the Patriots, you know, they're they're a dink and dunk offense. Quick passes, get the ball fast from from Tom Brady, and running the ball, they want to go in these three tight end sets when they can, two tight end sets, and you know, deliver a wallop behind it. Maybe he's a three down back. That's fine, but I think the comparison is a little bit of a reach. So, hot sports take. I'm going to cool that one off a little. Okay. Bit. Well, like I said, I, I it is a hot it. take. You can I prefaced it. That's you get a, a hot take. IPA cloud in your head. <laughs> it hasn't quite. I'm still excited from his week, his preseason week one performance. Okay, there's been worse hot takes on on Twitter and Facebook. So, um, another running back who has had a lot of hype, especially in the dynasty communities, and it might actually have a chance to to show us something is Christina Michael, um, who, who he bounced around last year. Was on, he got drafted by Seattle in the second round, got cut from Seattle. I believe he was over on Dallas for a little bit, then came yeah, back to Seattle. Dallas. Set back to Seattle at the end of the year. Well, Thomas Rawls hasn't practiced all that much. Pete Carroll is saying that Christina Michael has been popping in practice. So uh, the rumors out of Seattle right now is that Michael and Rawls could be um, could be doing this two running back uh, by committee, which you will hate considering uh, how high you drafted Rawls in oh, our yeah. draft. Well, um, and also I think I think it's Christine. I think that might be the worst NFL first name I've, oh, it's I've ever terrible. heard. Oh, terrible! I, I actually think it's Christina. I think I, it's I really Chris, I think you pronounce it is. Uh, I think it's pronounced Kristen Michael, okay. but it's spelled Christine. Right, Christine, and your your last name is a first name. I'm very confused here. This <laughs> you can't is, trust this guy, right? Yeah, you can't trust a guy with the first name of a lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think they're going to split carries now, which is you know a little. Not helpful for me, considering Thomas Rawls, I think, was my third pick overall in our fourth draft. Pick. Fourth, fourth pick. pick. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, this is too bad. So I just I just looked at it on uh, Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. Um, so it says here, Michael's name, which is unusual for a male, is pronounced Christine. You're right. His mother told him she wanted her first child to be a girl, so she chose the name before she knew the baby sex. So there you go. How about you make an adjustment? Make a, make a thing <laughs> on the fly. You're just naming Chris or Christopher. You know what I mean? I'm I mean, sure he's, I'm sure he gets called uh, Christine by just his good friends, but uh, everyone sure else calls him Chris. Sure he does. What the uh, hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are a few uh, good performances we saw, but unfortunately, you know, uh, not everything is fantastic that like that like we hope for it to be. Um, Preseason hype machine Sammy Coates really struggled mm-hmm. in his debut as a starting wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've been hearing so much about this guy in camp. I've been I've been pimping him a little bit here and there. I actually drafted him in our league two to potentially be my wide receiver three. Um, 
First game, three catches for 18 yards, two fumbles, one of them lost. Not that exciting. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully his first game jitters, uh, and, and and hopefully he's not one of those guys that just once you take the put the pads on, he just turns into a totally different player because from all reports out of camp, uh, from everybody's been talking about him, that, that he's kind of t- embraced the Martavis Bryant role and was going to be the next high-flying receiver, that deep ball threat for the Steelers. Um, and, you know, obviously week one preseason, it didn't look too hot. But let's not make too much of a judgment right now. It is still obviously very early. Well, this affects you because he's on your, your squad. So you definitely are taking notice of what his, his uh, embarrassing two-fumble game was like. And right. Probably a little bit of buyer's remorse, but it's okay. Well, you know, there's a long preseason here. He, it's his first game jitters possibly, like you said, even though it's his second year, third year, second <laughs> well, year. Well, he, right? he did. He only had one catch last year. Yeah, so. I mean, he, he was he was a baby out there last year, right. but um, I, I it, will, he'll be fine. I will say this. Um, I And we'll talk about uh, Sammy Coates later on when we kind of talk about our teams. But I've actually – he's at – his value is at an all-time high right now, or at mm-hmm. least it was a week ago. And I traded him off – Pretty much him and uh, Danny Woodhead in Dynasty League for the sixth rookie pick in a draft. So I'm totally down for selling him right now because I got burned by Devontae Adams last year. Who he had this once Jordy Nelson went down with the injury. Uh, the next thing was Devontae Adams was going to be a thousand yard receiver, and he absolutely struggled last year. So I kind of used that past experience um to temper my expectations and to become more of a seller than a buyer um, but like i said we'll talk a little bit more about sammy Coates later on uh when we start talking about our teams and brag about them a little bit but um so like we mentioned you know so obviously coming up you know uh on thursday i think there'll be more games thursday and friday we'll see some more football we'll probably see the starters play a little bit more in uh the second game of the preseason so i'm excited for that um, we'll probably talk a little bit more Browns and Patriots because we won't be as distracted um, by our fantasy football draft. So we'll actually yeah. be able to watch more than five minutes of the game. When the Pats uh, play again, Browns play Thursday night. Uh, um, Pats play Friday, I believe, against the Bears right now. And okay. they've had back-to-back days of uh, players getting kicked out for fights. So should be a pretty chippy game. <laughs> Good. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Um, uh, Josh McDaniel's brother, is Ben, is the – OC or the quarterback coach in, in Chicago, and that's why they're together. And, um, they, you know, I always love these weeks of practice. You see it in hard knocks when the two teams are together and they're fighting. You know, every time there's 11 on 11 or 7 on or inside run, they get in these fights and then they have the game and nothing ever happens in the game. But, you know, right. God forbid somebody looks at somebody the wrong way here, they get into a fight and then it's over, just like that. It never boils over to once they leave the lines. It's really impressive to see a six seven man versus a six five man, and one of them takes their helmet off and think it's a great idea to punch the other one with they're wearing a metal face mask. <laughs> never well, wondered why that was a smart idea. I was thinking about it today. I mean, because what's the ramifications? You get kicked out of practice. I mean, in in the yeah. game, you actually get fined. But if you're in practice, there's no hold barred. No holds barred. Worst case scenario, Belichick's going to tell you to hit the showers. Uh, today was Brian Stork who got kicked out of practice, who's the starting center mm-hmm. for the Pats right now. Belichick's not cutting him. I mean, so no. go for it. Go for it. These guys. You know they have all this pent up anger, and you know it's it, and uh, to be honest, I, I'm sure Belichick loves it. I'm sure, I'm sure John Fox loves seeing his players. It was Alshon Jeffrey a couple days ago got into it. Malcolm Malcolm Butler. Um, I'm sure the coaches love it. They just gotta do the right thing and say, "Oh, you gotta get kicked out of practice. Go go to the shower." So every defensive coach loves 
a fight. Loves yes. to see that that chippiness from their players. So that's right. it's definitely something that Belichick loves. That oh, hasn't yeah. gone away. Even I mean, he's got to be the the presidential role and the manager role and make sure everything's you know on the up and up and sure toe the line. But at the same time, he loves that shit. Definitely, definitely. Hey, so let's talk about our draft. So. Okay. Um, you know, we we were we've been um, talking about this draft for the past couple of weeks. We've been getting, uh, you know, doing some mocks to see how our teams would shape up. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, I'd say Jer, our, our first round picks went just as expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're both pretty happy with our squads. Um, but first off, obviously, a lot of fireworks of this draft, both early <laughs> and late. Um, the early fireworks. Congratulations to Rue Phillips and Jared Crow. Big victory in the golf tournament. Um, I'll say this: Burris wasn't there because he had to coach. I didn't. I was at the tournament. I didn't play golf because I play real sports like CrossFit. So, um, <laughs> not trying to be the best at exercising. <laughs> so uh, I didn't play, but I did. I did uh, watch the uh, the final putt that Rue hit for the for the championship. He said this is his fifth year in a row of winning some sort of championship in a golf outing. I call shenanigans on that, but uh, whatever. He's like um, a nice man. Seriously, he 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 made some big shots. I'll tell you what it was. Uh, so Crow Crow hit a shot, a tee shot on nine because they had to play the front nine twice, I guess, due to storms. And uh, Crow hit a beautiful shot to get it uh, about four feet from the pin. And uh, Farkey and Vern just couldn't get it done. And Rue the closer came in. Ice man, the eyed missile man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I was proud of my boy Rue for that one. Um, but like I said, there was definitely some fireworks uh, later on in the draft. Uh, I'll say this. Um, my reaction time to, to some of the fireworks was pretty slow because I felt it would be a good idea to buy a six-pack of IPAs after drinking three tall uh, bu- uh, bumbleberries, right? That's, what, that's called bumbleberry? Yeah. Delicious beer um, at Bar Louie. So I was, uh, I was feeling good for the draft. I was surprised by some of the guys on my roster the next day when it was uploaded to the uh, <laughs> to the Yahoo website. Do yeah, you remember some drafting those, them? Some of those 12 through 14 picks, uh, I really don't even remember those people like right. being in, in a magazine. I think I just guest <laughs> pulled a name out of that out of thin air well and it, it doesn't help because we do have a uh a fun little a penalty, penalty system penalty system right if you if you pick a player that's already been taken uh you take a shot of fireball or you get iced and do a smear off ice um i know you definitely took a couple fireball shots we'll go over those in a second um but the, the most notable and the the first fireball shot was amazing um, was unbelievable our our boy arch decided to take so you had the fourth pick. Arch had the seventh pick. And Arch tried to be sneaky and thought that he could get the guy you picked, Odell Beckham, at four. He thought he'd still be there at seven. Well, he obviously wasn't. I mean, listen, I understand people make mistakes, but in the first round, you know, you got to pay attention to that. So so Arch was the first one to uh, to take the fireball shot. He eventually ended up taking, um, let's see here. Actually, I'm sorry. He tried to take him at nine, not seven. Mm-hmm. He ended up taking DeAndre Hopkins at nine. Um, but let's talk about uh, how your first fireball shot went. So what well, happened there? So I'm getting settled. I got there right at draft time. You guys right. have been busy, busy, busy all morning um, um, getting ready. And I showed up right right at the moment. I'm getting settled in. I've got my computer opening up. I'm trying to get my cooler straight. I'm trying to get my magazines all set. And then, you know, the first round starts, bam, like that. We do the trophy presentation, and I'm still not quite settled in. You know, they get to me at four. I say ODB. We move on. Joe messes up. He has to do his shot, 
and I'm still trying to get set up. I'm trying to help somebody with a Google uh, spreadsheet, get it up on, you know, I'm a tech guy. I'm trying to get everything else set up. And then all of a sudden the wraparound hits and it's back to me and I'm looking at my stuff. Okay. Who's not marked off? I need to get a running back. Adrian Peterson. I don't have him marked down. I'm going to take Adrian Peterson. Everyone Instant looked at reaction. me. Instant everyone looked reaction. at me like I tattooed like a swastika on my face or something. Like <laughs> what? And instantly, just gigantic shot of fireball right right down the gullet. Uh, that didn't taste real good. I'm not a big cinnamon whiskey guy, but I, what was going through my head? Nothing. Nothing was going through my head. Uh, sheer joy. I thought I had done uh, a great thing by sneaking him through to what pick? Uh, you tried taking him twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, pick twenty five. Here's the thing. I see what you're saying, but I just want to know. I mean, first off, if you're helping with a Google Doc, you should see Adrian Peterson's name sixth overall to monitor. Um, so that's on you. That's 100% on it you. It is on me. That's a famous line that's used during the none of this. None of this crap because not only that, and I was hoping that, you know, by doing this podcast, you'd learn to be a better football a fantasy footballer just kind of through osmosis by talking to me right. for an hour, hour and a half once a week. Um, Adrian Peterson would never be there at 25. I mean, that's just asinine. Don't rationalize Adrian, the Adrian Peterson's never been drafted lower than probably eight. And I ever. thought this was the first time <laughs> it was going to happen. I thought I had him for a split second. And then clearly I was right. brought back to earth. Right. Okay. So oh, fair enough. Whatever. I, I just, it was just, it was just fantastic that that went down. Um, this wasn't the last time this happened. So don't, you know, let's keep going. <laughs> right. We're, yeah. We got, we got another one we got to talk about here soon. But um, I will say, uh, young Daniel tried to take Dion Lewis 70th. He went 64th. So not the worst move in the world, but still not great. Uh, my favorite story, though, was Farkey trying to take Jameis Winston 133rd. Winston went 128th, which is just an absolute <laughs> steal. But he did it because he just wanted a shot of fireball. So you really can't blame him for that. Um, did you see the polls that Schilg was taking off that fireball? Schill was taking quadruple, we call them <laughs> bubbles. You know, you put you put the handle to the the face, and you get a if you get a bubble, that's a big pull. He was right. doing quad bubbles, quads. That was that was impressive. That was I was and, and like he just was just doing it for fun too. He mentioned that he it, he said it took him like three tries to get a, a tight end and a kicker. But again, I think he was just pulling the Farky move and just wanted to take shots. He um, so. So again, a, a fun little uh, aspect that we add to our draft. We kind of, I think we brought that on a couple of years ago. Obviously, icing. Um, if you make a mistake, or or for example, we iced Farky because he decided to call his father four times in the first four rounds, um, including the time we caught him in the bathroom on the phone. So a uh, lot of penalties with our draft. We are pretty merciless here at the league from the Ville, um, and and obviously sometimes there'll be a little bit of a uh, of shit talking, and it gets physical we do it we do it in a way it's very different a lot of places you know they buy the board they get the stickers they make it real professional and all that stuff right we actually do that as we don't want to put the board up we want you to be just marking <laughs> things down on whatever you bring and there are guys that don't show up with anything they don't even have a right. pen and right. they just want to look at each other's stuff and and stuff like that and that's what makes it fun is it is so cutthroat if it is. If we were on a desert island, we would eat each other just to survive <laughs> in this fantasy football league. One thing I forgot to mention, uh, we, we mentioned that you had uh, a few issues, if I may. Um, the worst and most egregious other than AP. Uh, this one, you picked a guy who was taking 25 picks earlier. You tried taking Jason Witten 152nd. 
went and went 127th. Correct. Now, I think the most egregious, the biggest issue I have with this pick is who you took instead. You decided to take CJ Spiller, who is pretty much dead to everybody in fantasy. So, if but here's the thing: if he somehow breaks out and has an amazing year, then I say that the points don't count because you never wanted him in the first place. Right. Seven. I think it was kind of a panic pick at the moment. <laughs> um, I was getting screamed at. There's a, a shot being poured right in front of my nose, and, True. and I think I just looked down, and it was the very first name I saw on my um, magazine I'd left, and it was C.J. Spiller. Do I like the pick? No, it was no, no, I don't it, like it. Was the eleventh round? It was the eleventh round? So not not the worst pick in the world, but just I, right, I can just see like a panic pick. Uh, you know, who, oh crap, who's the guy who will definitely be around? Who everybody knows his name? Uh, uh, C.J. Spiller. Boom. Yeah, you took him. So. Done. Well, my um, there's not a running back on my team I really actually like. Um, but so you did take three of them in the first four rounds. So I did, including one, including one I got basically uh, dressed down by everybody in the league except for one person yeah. who stood right by me and said, Burris, you do you. You pick your team. And that was that was, young that, Daniel? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, that was that was Mark. You know, the, the commish – he did a great job. He's sitting there with his ankle up. You know, you know, he's got the ace, the Achilles injury, and he said, "You do you, Burris. You do you." And I thought, "Wow, what a vote of confidence from the commissioner." I'm going to take Jay Ajayji. Ajayji. <laughs> when when did you take him? I forget. Sixteenth. Um, oh, he. I think overall. he was my. Oh. Yeah, I think he was my he was fifth, your fifth round pick. Yeah, fifth round pick. I'm expecting big things from him. I don't expect Aaron Foster to work out. I really don't think it's going to work out. You can't have that many terrible surgeries and be a productive running back. You can't. So is Jay Ayaja going to give us, you know, <laughs> over 100 points this year? I doubt it. But, you know, this is how So you took him in the fifth round. <laughs> Don't you took him to the fifth round. You already had two running backs. Don't try it was to just, rationalize it was, the irrational here. You know, my draft grade ended up being better than yours. Just keep that in mind. That's fine. Thank that's you, fine. Yahoo. Thank you. <laughs> How about the random person that showed up at the fantasy football draft at the end? He said, hey, who's simply ravishing? I kind of like his squad. That was me. He said that about my team. He didn't say it about your team. Just keep that in mind. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll keep that in mind when I'm in the playoffs and you're going 3-11 three and uh, three and 11 again. That'll be fine. But Um, that was, you know, the the mistakes are what makes it fun. Right. um, Including the ones that happen later uh, on and and sometimes get a little physical. That was a first. We never had that. Did you you, you mention that? I mean, we should mention it. We don't have to get into the details. But yeah, there was some words said and there was uh, some jabs thrown um, in the 14th round when when tensions and blood alcohol content were both high. Yeah. you know, when you have 14 guys and uh, all of testosterone in one room together, uh, these things happen. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, first time in, in 10 years that I've been in the league, we've seen this happen. And I'm sure. Uh, Mark said know. we hit 20 years this year. If you're the original members of the league, this is the 20th year. Right. And this is, I think I've been a part of it for around 16 on and off. And I don't think I've ever seen. Um, uh, a mouse happened on somebody's cheek there from <laughs> <laughs> that's never that's never been seen before it, uncharted territory in the league you know every hey. year we thought it was weird when somebody got married 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boys will be boys. You know, uh, hopefully the, the two parties that uh, had their had their little tiff can solve that, and uh, we can have a, a safe and fun and happy fantasy football season. Um, Luke, whatever happens between the lines is stays between the lines. You know, right. Don't bring right. that crap back to the locker room. So I, I think we'll be fine. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, before we get into some of our favorite picks, let's just we're going to talk about what Joe Arch did because <laughs> because Arch. So Arch is the guy that Burris mentioned that usually never brings any sort of um, materials. He'll never bring Very, a list. Or, uh, low tech. Low right, but tech. this year, but this year he was good. He had a list and he had a pen. He had an uh, iPad. But, he, okay, so it's an iPad. Okay, so I knew he had, I knew he had a list, and I, but he, I knew he's writing stuff down too, mm-hmm. but. I, and he, but he's of course being typical Archie still was walking around and uh, looking at different people's <laughs> draft board and all that. So, um, but uh, he has a very interesting quarterback strategy. So we all know that Tom Brady is suspended for the first four games. He took Tom Brady relatively early, sixth round, which you know high upside pick. He figured he might take a pretty good, uh, you know, a solid quarterback in the ninth or tenth round to make sure he has somebody for the first four weeks. But uh, no, Arch took uh, Colin Kaepernick. Who is fighting Strong. dead arm right now? Strong. So, so right now, Arch um, is has no starting quarterback on his roster. Uh, I will say there are players, the likes of Alex Smith, available on the waiver wire. So I'm sure he'll be making a move for for that type of player. Um, but still, even if he does that, Alex Smith is probably the worst fantasy football quarterback there is. He does every now and again have a big game. So maybe he's like second worst um, behind like Teddy Bridgewater or something. But um, there are startable quarterbacks on the waiver wire, but it, it's not like it's going to be anybody that's going to propel you to victories in weeks one through four. I think RG3 is available too. It, so exactly. It's not a player that's going to – we saw him We saw him play on uh, on. Friday night didn't look too pretty. So, um, you know, and that's a strategy. If you're going to take Tom Brady in the sixth round, I do appreciate that. I, I think it's a good move. But I feel like if you make that move, you have to try to grab a guy like Eli Manning, Tony Romo, um, Carson Palmer, um, even Philip Rivers later on. But uh, Arch didn't do that. So stuck to his not- guns, didn't he? <laughs> right. <laughs> So not my problem, fortunately. Uh, I'll be rolling with Aaron Rodgers, who I took in the third round. Um, but let's get into some of, our, some of our favorite picks from the draft. So I want to hear who your three favorite picks were uh, from this fantasy draft. Three favorite picks? I mean, did you really think that the top four were going to go that way? I, thought, I actually thought that Todd Gurley was going to slip to me. I didn't know if you were going to take him or David Johnson. I thought you were going to go running back. So I... I was a little shocked that I got Odell Beckham, to be honest with you. I thought he would go three, or I would be taking Todd Gurley, and he'd be slipping down there. But when I waited out, I really thought that I would be taking Odell Beckham over David Johnson, and I'd be much more happy with that pick. And I think it will be. I, I like that pick. It's my favorite pick I got um, from my team. I do love what I did at quarterback. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'm just, no, no, no. I'm well, just talking about my squad, Luke. I don't care right. about anybody. <laughs> No, that's <laughs> well. So we'll talk about your squad at the end of this. But <laughs> I want to hear your three favorite I'm a picks. Proud from Papa. Let, I want to talk about my team, but no, I think I think that's that's. Uh, it was interesting how the first couple five, you know, the first five picks went out. Um, as far as other favorites, gosh, I like that. Sh- I think Shrek at fourteen getting Le'Veon Bell. It's a good value pick. You know, I thought he can use that pretty much. Um, 
you know, as soon as he comes back, I've even heard a little bit from my uh, friends that lived in Pittsburgh and uh, work with me that there's some talk that he might not be getting suspended at all. And I'm like, where are your sources on this? He goes, don't worry about it. We just know people. (laughs) I'm like, you yinzers. All right. So like, (laughs) if that pans out, then all of a sudden you've got um, arguably the best running back in fantasy at the last pick in the fourth, in the first round. So that's, I think that could be a great pick. It could not be. Um, well, and here, here's here's why it might not be a great pick because, say, for whatever reason, he um, doesn't have his appeal and he does have to be suspended four games. Mm-hmm. They actually have a week five bye, so mm-hmm. he's not going to use his first round pick until the sixth round, until the sixth week. Granted, I will That's say true. he he did get lucky and picked up D'Angelo Williams in the eighth round, so he has a running back and he didn't have to pay that much for D'Angelo Williams. So. I think that because he got Williams so late in the draft um, that you're right. That is a great pick. And the, the other guy I want to mention, um, actually Sean took, and he was the quarterback I had targeted going into um, our draft, and, and that was Russell Wilson. And I think it was, was it the fourth or the fifth round? Um, pick 52 overall. Um, I, I want Russ, yeah, Russ Wilson, I think, based on who they're bringing back at running back this year, he's got to do a lot more. Um, I think they're going to get more completions. They have Mm -hmm. to, they really just have to. And I think Jimmy Graham's going to bounce back and that's, uh, that's going to be helpful for Russ Wilson. So that's who I was kind of targeting. So I kind of like that pick and um, you know, good luck to Sean with that one. Yeah. Russ was the fourth quarterback taken. It went Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers in the third. Uh, Andrew Luck also went in the third, which seemed a little bit early for him. Yeah, I agree with that. And then Russ Wilson early. Actually, I'm sorry. Russ Wilson went fifth. Drew Brees went right before him. So, uh, Russ Wilson has the fifth quarterback overall. That's a pretty good – you're right. It's a great pick. Great yeah. pick by Sean. Nice job, Sean. Yeah. So, I'm going to go I'm gonna go a pretty similar route and say that um, my, my top two favorite picks are quarterbacks. And I, I can't believe that uh, Conley and Foz – Got Carson Palmer, 111th overall. Uh, that's an eighth-round pick, again, because this is a 14-team league. But Carson Palmer was a top-five quarterback last year, and he got drafted as almost a backup. So that's just that's just great value for Conley and Foz. They have a pretty strong team. Um, they're going to they're gonna have uh, match him up with uh, Julio Jones, uh, Eddie Lacy, who looks like he might have a bounce-back season, Sammy Watkins, uh, Gio Bernard, and Greg Olson. So to, to not worry about a quarterback early on and still be able to get a player who could potentially be top five is pretty much a recipe for success in my book. That is a uh, probably arguably the best value pick we had in the entire draft. Um, yeah. He just kept lingering, and I didn't need him. I already had taken Ben Roethlisberger, and he was somebody I had circled after a couple things had gone early. Um, You know, Russell Wilson was left, and I was like, who am I going to get? And Carson Palmer was definitely highlighted, and he just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And I actually thought about taking the uh, Shrek move and having Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) and Carson Palmer, but I knew the repercussions would be violent, and so I didn't do (laughs) it. Well, it, it was funny because, so like I said, I took Aaron Rodgers early in the third. Um, that was kind of my strategy all, all along, and I was really happy how my first five picks went. But looking back on it, I said to myself, well, if I knew I could have got um, – uh, just had a brain fart. Carson Palmer. I'm sorry about that. If I knew I could have got Carson Palmer late, you know, maybe in the third round, I take a Doug Martin or a Sammy H- or um, uh, Carlos Hyde to pair up with Todd Gurley. Two guys are going to get a ton of ton of touches in their uh, respective offenses. 
I'm still happy with my Aaron Rodgers pick, but it definitely definitely causes you to second guess your strategy when you see uh, Carson Palmer go that late and just continually be undervalued in these in these drafts. Um, my second favorite pick was another quarterback and a player who I think will take uh, a giant step forward in his second year, and that's Jameis Winston. Uh, Schilling took Winston at 128 overall, which is in the tenth round. Uh, you know, along the likes of. Chris Hogan, you took Jason, or you tried to take Jason Wynn. Um, Kamar Aiken, the previously mentioned Doriel Beckham Green. I mean, Jameis Winston, starting quarterback, threw for almost 4,000 yards last year as a rookie. Mike Evans should take a step forward again as they, you know, get back on, you know, on a good rapport, and, and hopefully Evans can keep, can stay healthy with that hamstring this year. Uh, hopefully Vincent Jackson can stay healthy as well. But I see no reason why Winston doesn't take a step forward and, and improve on his rookie season numbers. So great pick by Schilling late. Should be noted that Schilling also took Marcus Mariota. So they've got he's got quite the uh, 2015 tag team there right. as their backup. You know, everyone was waiting for me to pull the trigger on Mariota. But I <laughs> abstained. I abstained. I, I didn't do it this year. So um, my final pick that I really liked, uh, this came down to two picks, but I figured I will uh, talk about the other guy later on. Um, our boy Joe Arch took Theo Riddick 104th overall. So Theo Riddick led all running backs in catches last year. He had more catches than Danny Woodhead. He had more catches than Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, some of the top uh, running back receivers. And Arch got him in the eighth round. So... While Theo Riddick, you don't trust him on a week-to-week basis because he won't find the end zone all that much. He doesn't get a lot of carries, and this is a quarter-point-per-carry league. This is also a PPR league. So if Theo Riddick's able to get 70-some-odd catches again this year, which I see no reason why he shouldn't, and, you know, I don't know, around 600 600 receiving yards, three or four touchdowns, that's great value as either your RB2 or, you know, most likely your RB3. You know, for example, I took Rashad Jennings in the sixth round, and I would much rather have Theo Reddick in the eighth round than Rashad Jennings in the sixth round as my backup running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so Archer did he did make up for his um, his oopsies of taking uh, Brady and Kaepernick by by drafting um, Theo Riddick in the eighth round. Um, but I'm going to talk about some of my least favorite picks, and I'm going to start off with Jay Ajayi, 60th overall, <laughs> by my uh, my co-host Jerry Burris. You made that clear that day. Do we really need to mention it now? Yeah, we do. We do because I want all of our listeners, um, all of our all of our dynasty all of our redraft all of our daily all of our sex bots all of our fans who who tune into the never ending glory podcast every wednesday on dynastyfootballwarehouse.com and uh on twitter at glory podcast and on facebook never ending glory podcast you like that segue um i want them to all know that you should not take jay ajayi in the fifth round and that was no offense buddy that was my least favorite pick of the draft. Okay, it's it's been mentioned. It's let's move past it. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to my second least favorite pick, and that was Farkey taking Doug Baldwin forty fourth overall. Forty um, fourth overall in our league. That means you're taking Doug Baldwin in the fourth round. He was a third pick in the fourth round, so he's being drafted as uh, Farkey's wide receiver two, I believe. Um, I just think that's high for him. I think that last year we saw um, we saw almost desperation and and somebody had to catch touchdowns and obviously the Seahawks are a good team they have a good quarterback but Tyler Lockett's going to take a step forward um and I think Jimmy Graham will come back healthy 
And obviously, you know, once Jimmy Graham got hurt last year, Doug Baldwin stepped up and became the go-to receiver. Before Graham went down with the torn patella tendon, he was the number one targeted receiver in Seattle. Um, and Baldwin actually hadn't really taken off. I actually cut Baldwin last year before he, he had his explosion of like 10 touchdowns in the last six games. So that worked out well for me. Um, but. I just I just don't like I don't like Baldwin in the fourth round here. Like I said, Farkey's team it looks like he t- so it's actually it'll be his third wide receiver because he took Des Bryant in the first round and then he took uh, Golden Tate in the second round. I'm sorry, in the third round and then he took Doug Baldwin in the fourth round. Um, but he has Jamal Charles who he took in the second round and that's his number one running back. I think I would have much rather seen him take a guy like Latavius Murray, maybe even Demarco Murray, Gio Bernard. Somebody to make sure, just in case, because today Jamal Charles got activated off the PUP list. So they're hoping he'll be ready for week one, but torn ACL midway through the season at age 29, it's never a good thing. So uh, I I really would have liked to see him get some running back depth there instead of taking Doug Baldwin. Um, What did you think about Baldwin there? I think at that spot, I don't like it. Like you said, Doug Baldwin had – kind of skewed numbers because of his production at the uh, last quarter of the season and then going in towards playoffs. So is that really how the projections are going to be this year? I do think the ball will be spread out a little bit more to the receivers and to Jimmy Graham this year in Seattle. Not having beast mode back there, Marshawn Lynch will be uh, you know a little bit of vacuum that needs filled, but I don't know if Doug Baldwin's going to do that at that spot. You know, If he does, he does, but it, the fourth round, it's kind of a reach. It's, well, if you so, so we mentioned that the last quarter of the season, Baldwin was phenomenal. Um, let's see, week 12, six catches, 145 yards, three touchdowns. The next week, five for 94, two touchdowns. The next week, six for 82, three touchdowns. Then four for 45, two touchdowns. Eight for 118, one touchdown. You can't keep up that pace over a full season. No. And it's not like Doug Baldwin is this dynamic talent that is going to put up those numbers week in, week out. He's an undrafted free agent out of Stanford. He was in a contract year, um, obviously got paid. So is the motivation, is the work ethic still going to be there? A lot of times we see players get paid and they kind of, you know, take a step back and, and don't put in as much training as they used to. Um, I'm not totally worried about that with Baldwin because he seems like a fiery player and a pretty smart guy. I mean, he has to be somewhat smart. He did go to Stanford. But I just I do not see that production in – in 2016 i just Mm -hmm. i don't see it happening that's true um but uh my final pick i didn't like and i think this player has a lot of talent he actually looked good against the patriots in joint practices today um but baru took kevin white 74th overall and you took kevin white last year when we knew he's out for the season and we all give you shit for it (laughs) um but um you know, in this round, Rue took Kevin White in the sixth round, and my only issue with it, listen, I think the guy has a ton of talent. Obviously, he looked good and good at West Virginia. He dominated the combine, but he's essentially playing in his rookie season. He didn't play a snap last year. He couldn't practice last year. He's going to have a lot of growing pains, and he's still a developmental player. And if you're taking him in the sixth round, you're relying on him being a starter for you. So... It would be one thing if he you know, just was on the inactive list and he still was able to practice with the team. But because of that injury last year, he really wasn't able to play up against NFL competition. And we've seen West Virginia guys come into the league and really struggle. So I, I, I didn't love that pick, and that's probably my, least, my third least favorite pick. Yeah, I had Kevin White, and he never left my PUP list on my team. Um, 
So I, I, I think I do think he's going to come in and he'll be you know kind of the, the the third receiver for them to start. He's never played in the NFL really, um, and we'll go from there. But Rue, that's uh, that's kind of a I thought that was kind of a reach at that spot. I actually have for the the guys that I dislike. Um, they're all kind of on one team, and it's it's the wide receiver choices by by uh, Chad Jones. <laughs> Chad's team um, here. Let me go through his, his lineup here from the wide receiver spot. His starting wide receiver one and wide receiver two are Julian Edelman and Corey Coleman. Okay, so we got a guy who's got um, more erector set pieces in his foot than he knows <laughs> what to do with, and we've got a true rookie playing for a arguably a rookie uh, quarterback in a brand new system in Cleveland. Okay, so name the worst starting wide receiver one in the NFL. Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, right? So okay. <laughs> yeah. So right. he's your, he's your wide receiver two, and your wide receiver one might not play. And if he is going to play in the first four weeks, he's got a quarterback that he's never really worked with. Right. Where do we go from here? Well, let me tell you where we're going to go from there. We're going to well, go hold, with real, real quick. Edelman. Um, so he had an injury an injury scare last week, and yeah. a lot of people were kind of scared off of him. Uh, obviously, Jonesy wasn't. He took him in the third round, thirty fifth overall. Um, he came back to practice. He's fine. Uh, just it was just a weird freak injury. He might have just tweaked something. I guess he lit it up today against the Bears defense, which really isn't saying much. But uh, no, you're 100 percent right. Edelman obviously had the one great year where he stayed healthy for 16 games, helped win the Patriots the Super Bowl. Um, but he's never been that that guy who can just stay on the field. He's not the the Lou Gehrig type who's going to be the all Iron Man and, and never miss a game. Right. Or the Cal Ripken, that which I know it's a baseball reference, but you know disregard that. Um, <laughs> well. I do, there's some guys on his team I do like. I mean, he took Zeke one overall. He took LaShawn McCoy. So his running back depth is, is definitely better. But the, that's a one-two punch at wide receiver. Yeah. I'm not buying. I'll, I'm definitely selling that one. Um, and I think the one that the one pick that made me laugh because I don't think he liked it when he actually took him in the first round. I think was when Mark took Lamar Miller. I don't think that's exactly <laughs> who he was looking to get at 12. But it was best available on the board, right. and he, he just was really mad as he scratched that name off the list. The, um, so I, I kind of agree with what yeah, they're going to do. It's, it's an unproven commodity. That whole Houston offense feels like right. kind of pieced together, and there's talent there for sure. But at the end of the day, you have Brock Osweiler, who I drafted late, um, running the show. So who, that's you know a story to be told. Yeah, and, and you got Osweiler really late, like 14th round. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought that was a great pick. Um, you're right. With Lamar Miller, I, I love Lamar Miller. Uh, I had him last year in a few leagues as my RB1. Drafted him as an RB2, and it was just it paid off dividends for me. Um, but I see exactly what you're saying, because that offense in Houston, it might take a few weeks for them to click. Mm-hmm. And they're already struggled. They, they did not look good whatsoever in the first preseason game against the 49ers, which they had, like, really is insane. Five straight three and outs against yeah. The backups. The 49ers, right. The it was 49ers ugly. backups. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, the quarterback situation will be better than it was last year in Houston. Obviously, last year they had, what, Tom Savage, Brian Horton, and Ryan Mallett. Mm-hmm. You, they, you can <laughs> you could throw me and you back there, and, and they might be almost as good. Um, so I see what you're saying with that and Lamar Miller. 12th overall, though, I see I'm still a proponent of taking a running back in the first round. And... I think he's probably the safest bet at who was left because That's left true. you had Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy, Eddie Lacy, maybe even Mark Ingram. Um, I think Lamar Miller has the most upside out of those players. 
though Le'Veon Bell obviously is a stud when he's on the field. But like I mentioned, you might not have Le'Veon Bell for five games or the first five weeks. So you really put yourself in a hole if you're taking him in the first round. Um, so, I thought he was going to pull the trigger on Devontae Freeman. I, I really did. I thought he yeah. might reach down there and try to see what he does production-wise. But, you know, I, is it a bad pick? No, it's not a bad pick. It's just, you know, it seemed like he disliked making his own pick in the first round, which is <laughs> he, so well, weird, he hates, weird. He place. hates Lamar Miller. That's why. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's more of a personal thing. So Right, yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting to see the different strategies. Uh, you know, obviously – with Jonesy's strategy, I, listen, I wouldn't want to take Corey Coleman as my second wide receiver. But I will say Yahoo loves him. They have him projected at like 13 points in week one, which might just be a target hog. Nobody else is going to catch the ball, though I think Gary Barnage will yeah, be. Gary. I think Gary will be a huge factor in you know until Josh Gordon gets back. Um, but there are a few players that I, I did miss out on in my draft, and I want to talk about them real quick. Um Initially, I had this player as my third favorite pick, but I wanted to talk about Theo Riddick instead. I had Tavon Austin really high on my board, and Sean snagged him 108th overall in the eighth round. And, you know, I I was looking at Tavon Austin for probably from round six on, and I just couldn't pull the trigger on him just because his yards per reception is usually pretty low, uh, but he gets a ton of carries and he scores. He scores many different ways in that Rams offense. Mm-hmm. It's just I couldn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to have too many Rams on my on my starting lineup because I have Todd Gurley who I drafted in third overall, and I didn't want to have to rely on uh, Tavon Austin as well. So maybe if I went a different route, if I went Odell Beckham or Adrian Peterson or David Johnson third overall, then I would have taken Tavon Austin probably like in the sixth or seventh round because honestly my projections I. I have Tavon Austin finishing, I think, as let's see here. I have him in our league as like my wide receiver 15 because he's going to get 60, 70 carries. He's going to catch hopefully 60, 70 balls. Uh, he's going to find the end zone six or seven times. Uh, I just, I think that he he's due for a pretty big season. So, but I just don't think he's a player that you feel comfortable with starting week in, week out. So, I think that was also why I didn't pull the trigger on him. And the second player I, I was targeting late, and I mentioned him earlier, and I got bit by him last year. But I think Devontae Adams, if he's the third option and not the first or second option as he was last year in Green Bay, I really think Devontae is a good pick. And Rue got him 170th overall in the 13th round. So that's a great upside pick that, honestly, I didn't – I just <laughs> – I didn't have the balls to pull the trigger on him because I was just burned by him so much last year. So two players I really wish I could have got uh, to short my bench. And I'm curious to hear who, who you missed out on, Jer. Well, I think I missed out. We had a run on tight ends in the um, sixth and seventh round. So I took I moved up and took Ben Roethlisberger, uh, pick 73, in the sixth round from Mark. And we flopped picks and stuff. And then – Everybody left. I mean, Delaney Walker was – Kelsey had gone a few picks before that. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everybody was gone. Delaney Walker, right. Kobe Fleener. Um, Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas. Tyler um, Eifert. Eifert. And Martellus the guy, Bennett. The, guy who, the two guys that I really wanted uh, were either Zach Ertz or Tyler Eifert, and they didn't yeah. slide. I got stuck with um, Jimmy Graham. Now, it – you know, will he survive the season? It remains to be seen. He's he's very injury prone, and but is he going to be the guy for them? You know, can he be a, a Gronkowski type player that lines up outside as a wide receiver? One, sure, he, he could. 
Um, but I like what Ertz does, and I like what Eifert does, especially Ertz being – he'll probably be their number two target out there with Jordan Matthews. I can't yeah. think, imagine Aguilar getting more uh, targets than him per game. And then I like Eifert in the same situation. I think he's a, a big body that's going to get a lot of targets in Cincinnati. Those are two guys I missed on. I thought they would slip. They didn't, and I just had to go – I had to fill that spot. The uh, Martellus Bennett spot uh, to Arch um, – it made me laugh watching the, the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, start the other day. He can throw the ball anywhere he wants around Martellus Bennett, and he's he's six seven. He he can just oh, yeah. go. His catch radius is insane. It's just fun to watch. I'm sure he's going to get a ton of targets in the red zone, but he'll have like you know it's like that Larry Donnell game where he had like three catches for three touchdowns, maybe <laughs> nine yards. Um, just yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna be a frustrating fantasy player. He's gonna be fun to watch every Sunday for me because I think he's gonna make this offense so dynamic and he's he's gonna do what Belichick wanted to do with Brady and Aaron Hernandez before Hernandez turned all gangster on us and killed three people. Um, so Martellus Bennett, he's an odd dude, but he won't murder anybody. We hope so. Uh, you know, Belichick's I think and McDaniel's are pretty pumped to have these two big tight end targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do want to mention about Tyler Eifert and Jimmy Graham, though, you know, with Eifert, he's got the bad ankle. He, I think he tore some ligaments and had surgery. Uh, he tore the ligaments in the Pro Bowl, so he said he's no longer going to play in the Pro Bowl, which I don't blame him. Yeah, makes um, sense. So, so Eifert will miss some time. I don't think he's going to start in the PUP because I think he'll be ready by, like, week three, maybe. Um, but I will say, um, you know, Jimmy Graham, I am excited about him because – Yes, you have the torn patella tendon, which has pretty much ended, um, pretty much ended Victor Cruz's career. However, I do think that he plays a much different uh, style of game than Victor Cruz does, obviously, and he won't rely on his shiftiness as much. He relies more on being a big body. So uh, I'm excited. I think Jimmy Graham was a great pick there. He's got a ton of upside and tight ends a position where you can easily pick up a player during the regular season that just kind of steps out of the shadows and either takes over for an injured player or just takes over for an underachieving player. So I think you'll be set with Jimmy Graham at tight end. Yeah. If I needed another one, I can pick up. I did, I did pick up, I think uh, Jacob Tammy in the 15th round. I was uh, a little hazy at that point, but I think <laughs> I do have him on my team. I don't want to brag too much about that, <laughs> but let's brag about your team. Let me, let me know what you think about your team because I'll tell you what I am. Even though I hated Jay Ajayi, okay, I did like some of your other picks. So tell me about some other picks that I, you like. I do love the amount of wide receiver twos I have on my bench. Um, <laughs> there's It's loaded with wide receiver twos. Uh, I've got Stefan Diggs, Marcus Wheaton, and Mohamed Sanu all waiting to, to go into it. We have that wide receiver uh, tight end flex position. Uh, all can jump in there. And if I really, really had to, you know, I could do some things with um, – uh, on the waiver wire, getting rid of a spiller. Um, I have an Am- I have uh, Danny Amendola right now. He's on the pup list, and um, you know I could drop Jacob Tammy in a heartbeat to do something else. But I do like having Wheaton, Sanu, and um, uh, Stefan Diggs. I think mm-hmm. Diggs is going to be a guy who's going to get some looks um, with with Treadwell, you know, off play action to Adrian Peterson, who I almost drafted. So the one thing I will say about Sanu, and we saw it with Roddy White last year, is that Shanahan's offense, they will not look at anybody other than Julio Jones. So I am curious to see if Sanu will have some value next year because – I mean, or I'm sorry, this year, because I mean, maybe it was just Roddy White was old and couldn't get open. But everything he said in the media last year was he was open. He was always open. However – 
obviously, if he is open, Matt Ryan should get the ball to him. But um, it'll be interesting because Sanu is a younger player, had a decent year with Cincinnati last season. So uh, if he can get open in that offense, then then maybe he will turn into that consistent target for opposite Julio Jones because obviously that offense in Atlanta got very um, – you knew what was going on. You knew that it was going to Julio Jones. He was going to be targeted 15 times a game. So defenses could bracket him and limit uh, what the the damage that he could do. He was great for fantasy purposes, but he really couldn't break off way, too, too many long home run touchdowns just because defenses knew how to play it safe with him. They give him the yardage, but they wouldn't give up the big play. Um, so what do you think now? What are your thoughts on Demarius Thomas? Cause you took him in the second round, which I was very happy with. I think he's a great player. I think he's been getting dogged a lot this season. Um, I, I still think that his quarterback situation in Denver with Mark Sanchez is as good as it was last year with Brock Osweiler and, and, um, and Peyton Manning. I totally agree. I think, um, he's still a true number one. He's probably, one of the the best wide receiver number ones in the AFC West. And, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, he's going to be the guy who the offense is based around. You know, they have a strong running game. They have play action, and they try to go deep to him. Um, and so he's going to get his he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his yards, and you know he's projected it right now on Yahoo for two hundred twenty three um, fantasy points this year, which is above you know a lot of wide receivers you have listed right. in the top um, five, six, seven. And he, I don't think he was projected in, in some of the books we were passing around. So I, I love the pick. It was my third overall. Um, I'll live with it. You know, he's going to be their focus and, and yep. hopefully, you know, pays dividends. Yeah. And I will say the one pick you made too, that you sniped me, it's not a huge pick, but I, I still really liked it. Uh, you took the chiefs defense right in front of me in the 12th round. And I think, you know, the chiefs def- defense always puts up points. There'll be a top five defense this year. I end up taking the Rams right after, which I was happy with as well. Cause they get to the quarterback, but chiefs defense will be nice this year. Uh, so again, Burris, I think you had a great draft. Uh, you know, you start off with um, Odell Beckham. <laughs> start I, off wrong. It, it pains it pains me to say that you had a good draft, but I like your team. You know, Odell Beckham, Demarius Thomas. You have Matt Forte, who's older in a new system. Hopefully, he can have a solid season. Though I am concerned about Bilal Powell, um, Thomas Rawls, and Jaja Yee. I don't love, but. You might you'll be able to find somebody to fill that RB two role if both players do struggle. Right. But I mean, Rawls was great last year, so he could easily rep, uh, duplicate that if he does your set. Um, and then obviously Ben Roethlisberger is a top five fantasy quarterback that always gets underappreciated. Um, and then you know rounding out your starting lineup, Jimmy Graham, and then you know the Stefan Diggs are figuring out who you're going to start at wide receiver three. So uh, one of your better teams that you've drafted. So I am proud of you for that. Um, but I, I do think I like my team more, and obviously I'm being very biased, but uh, my draft went exactly as I expected it to in the first five rounds. I've been mocking out my picks, and um, there were really no surprises. I started off with Todd Gurley third overall, went with Amari Cooper in the second round. I wanted Demarius Thomas, but I'm, I'm happy with Amari Cooper. I really think that offense in Oakland is going to take off this year. Um I could have taken T.Y. Hilton or Jarvis Landry, but you know I just think Amari Cooper was the true – he was the last true wide receiver one left on the board. Um, yes, Hilton and, and Landry are great and will score a lot of points, but they're just – when you think of those players, you don't think, okay, this is the, the stud that I'm going to you – know, I'm going to tie my team to and, and they're going to carry us. I think Amari Cooper can do that this year. 
Third pick, I went with Aaron Rodgers. I decided to go boomer bust. Last year, I took my strategy is always taking the fifth or sixth round, take a guy like Matt Ryan or Tony Romo, and that was successful for me in the past. But last year, I took Matt Ryan, and that was a complete abortion. So I said, screw it, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers this year. I think he's going to have a bounce back MVP type season. And if he has a season like he did in 2013, where he pretty much won Joe Arch a fantasy championship, then then I'm set. Um, fourth round. I didn't love this pick, but I don't hate it. I think it's a very safe pick. I took Larry Fitzgerald as my wide receiver, too. I think he's going to be a target hog. I think that you know he's looking at seven catches a game. He might not be up over 100 yards per game and, and score you two touchdowns, but he's going to give me consistent 10 to 11, 12, 13 points, and, and that's all I really want. And then finally, the last pick I was really happy with at five was Jeremy Hill. I, again, I think he's going to have a bounce-back season. We play quarter point per rush, um, and I, Jeremy Hill is going to be getting 250 carries with Tyler Eifert hurt early on. Uh, Brandon LaFell, we just found out, has a torn ligament in his in his hand. So you might see the the uh, Bengals offense take kind of a step back from being the pass-happy offense it was, and they might turn back into uh, the, the smash-mouth football team of the AFC North. And if that's the case, then Jeremy Hill is going to lead that charge. Um, so other than that, you know, you know, on the six, Rashad Jennings is my backup running back. I don't love it. Don't hate it. But my strategy here for my last starting lineup, so I was picking the starting lineup. So I, I took Antonio Gates late because I never take tight ends early. But um, I wanted to just pick and choose a bunch of guys with upside for my third wide receiver spot because mm-hmm. you can find plenty of players that will be serviceable off the waiver wire. But if you're able to find a player that is just a stud week in, week out, then that just gives you such a step up or a leg up on the competition. Last year, that was Eric Decker for me. I got him in like the eighth round, and he was phenomenal for me. This year, uh, we mentioned Sammy Coates. I took him in the seventh round, so obviously I wasn't pumped about how he played in week one of the preseason. But I think he has a great opportunity in Pittsburgh. And I followed up that pick with, um, in the ninth round, I took Travis Benjamin, who's going to be the starting wide receiver in San Diego. So he's got a great quarterback in Phillip Rivers throwing him the ball. He's going to be a deep threat. Tenth round, I took Philip Dorsett. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm just piecing together players with upside, and I'm hoping that one of them can hit, and they will be the difference maker on my team. So we'll see how the strategy works out. Again, tight end with Antonio Gates. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. And if my strategy of of – Taking a wide receiver three, a bunch of boomer bust guys doesn't pan out, then I'll be in trouble. But I had a pretty safe draft. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. I think this is a playoff team. I don't, I'm not sure yet if it's a championship team, but but we'll definitely say. Well, I'm going to say it's not. I'm going to say it's not <laughs> a championship team. And Simply Ravishing will be taking a championship this year. I'll be drinking from the Golden Cup next year filled with whatever you guys decide to put in it. And we'll see you in 2017. We put some pretty nasty stuff in that this not year. Not good. Not yeah. good. It's not think, good to win this uh, no. league. It's like just a smorgasbord of uh, – it's like when you go to the uh, – it's like McDonald's and you have the fountain sodas and you just put like one of everything in there. Well, we, we did that, but we did it with um, we did it with uh, different types of alcohol and whatnot. So. Oh, yeah. It was like doing the suicide at Taco Bell. Right. So that was our, our fantasy draft. Obviously, like I said, you know – Yes, the people listening won't necessarily know uh, 
the cast the, of characters. The, exactly. We, we hope that eventually you'll learn the cast of characters and, and you'll try to understand why we're laughing at a few inside jokes. But we thought it was very beneficial for all of our fans out there to hear uh, about the different strategies that different teams had. And, and ex- because you can look at ADP, you can look at rankings and there's always that one team that's going to just totally mess that up by taking two or three quarterbacks in the first five rounds or, or take, you know, uh, a backup running back like Jay in the, in the fifth round. But, um, <laughs> so, so you definitely want to make sure that you, you read up on all your different and make sure you have a bunch of different strategies with your own team. And and if, if you get thrown a curveball, you're able to to zig when, when you thought you had to zag. So, um, again, take a listen to all the different players picked because you'll probably see very similar players picked in your draft. This is a league full of uh, players that have been playing for some over 15 years in the same league. And, uh, you know, it's always good to hear different strategies and whatnot. So anyways, this is the never ending glory podcast. Please check us out on Twitter at glory podcast. Please check us out on Facebook, the never ending glory podcast. Send us emails, negpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions about trade advice or maybe you want to hear uh, about different players that we think, you know, if you're deciding should I draft player A or player B, we'll we'll give our best insight. And, of course, check us out on dynastyfootballwarehouse.com. And we'll be back next week, probably talk uh, week two of the preseason, and hopefully we don't see many injuries. And uh, hopefully we'll have a new NFL dumbass of the week. So uh, until then, we'll talk soon, Jer. Yeah, make sure you guys pay attention when you're doing your draft. You don't want to be doing a bunch of shots. (laughs) Wise words from Jerry Burris. All right, later, Luke. With that, we're out.